What are the keys for this one? Um, just being disciplined. I mean, discipline. Discipline all around, like executing on defense, and um, you know, playing at a high level of intensity. Where you guys right now? You got the game plan all in, confidence level high. I mean, you guys are always happy with what Spags puts together, right? Absolutely, and Spags we trust. Listen to Todd Lebo. Listen to Chris Jones in Spags. We trust. We, um, you know what? Audible. Curveball. Can we play the beginning? I want Stan to hear this because I want to talk about the defense and Steve Spagnolo. Because I think he's going to be one of the reasons, one of the main reasons why the Chiefs win on Sunday and it'll be a fun day. Spags, as Nate says, deserves his flowers. Give him his flowers. That's right. We had Justin Reed, the Justin Reed interview, Jake. We had Justin Reed on the show. We recorded an interview with him. And uh, and Stan, he was the one that, that came up with the idea for the In Spags We Trust shirts with Spags, with the laser, lasers for eyes and everything. Uh, and then a portion of the proceeds for his uh, shirts go to Justin Reed's foundation. But it was his idea to make these. And I want, I want you to hear him talk. We'll just play the first part, him talking about Spags and why he wanted to honor him. And I love Justin Reed because he's the spokesperson really for the defense. He's all win, loss, heartbreaking loss, whatever. He's always in front of the mic, willing to answer the questions, willing to answer tough questions. Um, and I, I think he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a really good leader for the team and the defense on and off the field. And so... Uh, and this, of course, uh, it sounds like I swallowed glass right before this interview. But uh, here's uh, part of our conversation with Justin Reed from yesterday. Hey, right on the, hey Justin, uh, did you have any idea uh, how popular the Inspect We Trust t-shirts would be when you had them made? Well, no idea, man. I mean, the site crashed with, when it got flooded with uh, requests. Um, I figured it was a little bit popular just because of social media. Um, but I didn't figure it would take off like it did. It just showed... Um, how much we love Coach Spagnuolo and, and what he's done for this defense this year. And the cool thing is, part of the proceeds go to benefit your uh, your foundation, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my share goes completely to the foundation. Um, we've raised about 50000 so far, and that's going to be put right back in the Kansas City and Houston community, uh, mainly Kansas City because this is where all the shirts are coming from. Um, but just a big moment for the foundation. Jay Reed, indeed. And so, obviously, Spags means something to you if you wanted to pay tribute like that to him by making a T-shirt. Why, why is he such a special guy and such a special coach? Yeah, we, we, we I wanted to do something tangible just to show him how much we love him and appreciate him for the type of man, coach, mentor, um, friend, um, just a guy that we all rely on. And he shows passion and he loves us, and, you know, we love him right back. So I want to put that in a tangible form and, you know, show the guys that we're bought into him. We're bought into the way that he calls plays. We're bought into the way that he sees defense. Um, we're not going to complain about it. We're just going to go out and execute because we know that what he dials up works. Uh, put that in a tangible form, and, uh, man, it just took off. And so I, I, I don't want people to take that for granted because when we talk about the coaching matchup, you know, Edge, Andy Reid, but Spags is part of that. He's gonna. He's the. He's the best. You know, one of the best defensive coordinators that we've seen in 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 the postseason. Going back to what he did with the Giants against the Patriots. But listening to Justin Reed, 
You know, we hey, whatever he says, we buy in. We don't complain. We trust him. He's a friend. He's a mentor. All those things. And every defensive player says that across the board about Spags. How important is that? And to have that 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 belief and that buy-in for the defense, and how big of a factor is that going to be on Sunday when Spags has been in the lab for the last two weeks after putting on some great defensive performances so far in the postseason? I think it's a giant factor. If you listen to him talk, you don't think you're listening to an NFL player talk about his coach. When you watch the presentation on Monday, the big event in the stadium at Las Vegas where both teams were there for a while, one team and then the other, then they crossed over. And Chris Jones, if you think about his quotes up there on the podium with a mic in front of him with the, the nation watching and all the people in the stands and the 49ers players standing right next to him, is it Spags we trust? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's your star. That's Chris Jones. He's the guy who's saying, where's my money? Most NFL guys are like, where's my money? You know, he's saying it's Spags we trust, just saying it out. And I didn't you wouldn't have known that story when he was saying that, that this was happening behind. Now, Justin Reed is a guy that you might expect to have that. But you said it well, that it's from the best player to the least important defensive player that all are bought in like this. Now, let's take it to the next level. What's Steve Spagnuolo say about this group? Smartest group of players I've had. Mm-hmm. What that means is not that they have just football acumen, that they have a, a buy-in, a willingness to listen to the next little intricate thing. We say that about Andy Reid. Andy Reid can get through his players. He draws up plays really well. But you know what? There are a lot of people who can draw up plays really well. What others can't do is get the buy-in from the players that this is going to work. Listen to this little intricate thing. If you listen to any Chiefs offensive player talk about it, they talk about the install and how Andy's up there and the coaches, how every little aspect of the install is important. The NFL team who they're playing against down the road or in another city could be getting the same exact play explained to them, but they're not going to listen to every little detail because they don't think their coach has that little detail to give them. They're a pro. They played against that division foe. They know what they need to do. They know what their job is. I'm going to block this guy. Unless this blitz comes, I'm going to block that guy. And, no, Andy's going, no, 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 you got to get him off the spot by two inches. If you can just push him two inches further to the left – we're going to have a play. And everyone believes that Andy's given them a secret that will give him over the hump. Every word he says, that offensive staff, we know that's true. It's happening on the defensive staff. It's happening better this year than it did last year. Okay, the players are growing up. They are good. I can tell you about each of these individual players, about what I like about them. But they are not individually as good as they are as a group. No way. They're playing so much better because Spagnola is telling them, and they're buying in. Pros don't normally do this, man. They are totally buying in, like, tell me every little thing. And what he's doing, I, what did I say a little bit ago? His pre-snap formation dictating to what the quarterback is seeing because everybody carries it out. He may be saying, hey, when you're standing here, look to your left. Don't look straight. Look to your left because he'll really believe. You're an indicator. I know what the indicators are. Look to your left, and he'll think you're blitzing. Okay, you're not blitzing, but we got to act. So these players, like, really, do we have to act before the play starts? Come on, man, you're tired. The play just happened. You get your call. You're talking trash to your opponent, right? You're learning how the field works with your feet. I mean, everything. So many things in your senses going on, and yet he has them so focused to say, 
let's fake them out before the play starts because that'll be a big part of what after the play occurs. And then after the play occurs, to have the discipline to not go rogue and believe in what they're doing. Your guy, Nick Bolton, had one unbelievable play that I saw against, um, I think it was the Ravens, where he blitzed late. And for him to have the discipline to go count of one, as just stay as you're like the middle linebacker, like you're a spy, and then on count of two, blitz off where the right tackle lined up. Okay? Blitz off where the right tackle lined up, but don't blitz to go to the quarterback. Blitz to go to the contain because we're going to force him out of the pocket and you're going to be the second wave to be there. To have these guys go places they've never gone in their life, like, Coach, you want me to blitz a quarterback? No, I do not want you to blitz a quarterback. I want you to blitz off where the tackle lined up, and you're going to, when you get there, someone's going to block you, which is fine, you're perfect, but be ready because the quarterback's going to scramble your way and you're going to stop him. Like, really? So what does Spagnuolo say about him? Smartest group ever. He credits them naively because he just say, God, they're, they're like sponges, man. But it's his ability to make them want to be that. And all, by the way, the general manager and the mentality of who you're drafting, who you're getting. Read. Listen to him talk. Listen to this guy. He gave me the best information last year of anybody I heard. At the end of the year, he said, after the Super Bowl, we really didn't understand the defense for most of the year. I was just going to bring that up. That dude, he's smart. Trent McDuffie. I like how he plays. I said right when he was drafted, I said right on this show, this guy feels comfortable in the box. He feels comfortable in the backfield. He's a slot blitzer. He's a tackler. But you know what he is? He's not a dumb physical football player. He's cerebral. He's smart. Think about these guys. You've seen guys knock people's head off and then be good players. Nick Bolton knocks people's head off. That's right. But when you hear him interviewed, he doesn't sound like a dummy who goes tackles people. That has been successful in the NFL. You can have a dumb guy who goes kills people, but you know how much better it is when you have a guy who can flip the switch and go kill people, but is really smart and thoughtful? Think about these guys. You guys in a room. Don't you think these guys are smart, thoughtful, defensive players? Well, he calls Bolton his coach on the field, and by the way, it's very nice to hear someone else say nice things about Nick Bolton on the show besides me, so thank you, Stan. I'll give you your due, man. That. I mean, you know. I'm a very objective guy. <laughs> Missouri! That's all. I appreciate that. Because Nick Bolton, if if the whenever a, an opponent gains seven yards, I immediately know when I watch the replay, because there's a lot of things I can see, but there's some things that I don't see, so I can't wait to watch the, the rest of the play. And I know on the replay that Bolton got blocked. I mean, he's the difference between the Chiefs giving up run plays three years ago, four years ago, and now, is that he is like Willie Lanier, covering that middle area, stopping the run. Not that he can't do everything else well, but his specialty is covering up a weakness the Chiefs have. The Chiefs aren't great stopping the run, statistically, for those analytics guys, right? But if there's a seven-yard run, I just go, Nick Bolton got blocked. When he gets walled off, they don't have a second wave of a guy who, who can make that next play, Okay. And that's not cutting down the rest of the linebackers. He's just a run-stopping specialist, a smart guy. And I'm definitely not cutting down the linebackers because the linebackers are as good as they've been for the Chiefs. They're as good. Drew Tranquil is an unbelievable player. He does it all. His ability to blitz and make plays. And a linebacker sometimes is supposed to take on a block, and other times they just read a play and just run right through the line. And you don't know what they read, 
But if they don't get the tackle, they are in so much trouble because they totally left their responsibility. Drew Tranquil is one of those players where a defensive coordinator just laughs and goes, thank you, I love it. But you would never teach them. You don't teach them to go read the play that fast. Go blow up the play. Tranquil's unbelievable at blowing up plays. Did, did you did you hear him talking about how uh, he thought he was going back to the Chargers and they made him an offer and then he went back, with I guess, with the counteroffer or whatever? And in that in that interim, they decided to go in another direction, and they, he said he was shocked that you know he, he assumed he was going back, and so these dummies let him go, and that and then he ends up in Kansas City. I just that's just a, isn't that the story of the Chargers and the Chiefs? One thing, and I know Nate, you want to say something, but what you said about McDuffie and Nate, I can't remember what reporter said this, and I know Jake wasn't here. But I, I keep thinking about this this comment. Uh, it might have been Matt Verderheim. I can't remember. But it was someone that was around the team a lot. But it was after the Super Bowl in the locker room. They said a couple of the rookie defensive backs. And there were a lot of rookie defensive backs last year, right? Brian Cook, Trent McDuffie, uh, you know, Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams. Anyway, a couple of them. And it wasn't in an interview. They, they, they overheard. They were laughing at their locker. Do you remember this, Nate? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake, did you ever hear this? They were laughing at their locker, off the record, just between each other, saying, man, one of them was telling the other, man, I, I, half the time I really didn't even know what I was doing this year. He said, just wait till we understand everything next year. Just And they they were talking, they were laughing like, I can't believe how good we're going to be next year when we got everything figured out. They were like, we just won the Super Bowl, and I wasn't sure about what I was doing at the time this year. And so you think about that, you think, well, okay, how much better are you going to be? Is that is that realistic? Boy, does that sound like a true statement now, right? Because just look at the strides that everyone's taking, and they went from this defense being good enough. To, hey, they gave up a lot in the Super Bowl, but this defense became elite, and it was like they were right. That was not, we that say was not about crap. Patrick Mahomes, and maybe you don't say it enough, I know I say it all the time, that Patrick Mahomes, when he started as a starter for the Chiefs five years ago, he was killing it. He played great. But his understanding now is so elite and past where he was then. He did what naturally came to him and what Andy Reid told him to do. Now he understands what Andy Reid is telling him to do. You know, if you walk in and Andy didn't get a chance to talk to him, on Tuesday, the players' day off, quarterbacks usually go in, or Wednesday when they do their installs for the next opponent, I bet you Patrick Mahomes could step up and give you a good introduction to what Andy's going to tell him. Because it's no longer like, come on, Andy, tell me. I'm, I can't wait to hear. He's like, I know what you're thinking, man. This team blitzes off the edge right here. Their strong safety is a little slow. you know. And I bet he can now develop a game plan pretty well along with Andy because his understanding of football is now ratcheted up. Patrick Mahomes understands what's going on out there. When he walks up to the line of scrimmage, he knows what coverage they're in. He knows what it means, where they need to go. He can still beat them back in the day. But now he knows what he's going to do. And as his athletic ability retreats, it will not affect his game. Because he will now outsmart people as well as out-athletic and those kind of things. So it's happening on a defense, guys. It's happening on a defense. It's a great credit to the talent accumulation that the Chiefs have that they aren't just signing people to sign people. They know what they're looking for all the way to the brain. It seems like a distant memory 
the images of guys running wide open down the field with Tyron Matthew throwing his hands out. Like, who was supposed to have that guy, or where was the breakdown in coverage? You just don't seem to see those moments this year. But I think it actually goes all the way back to what you were talking about with what makes the sport so great. The, the ultimate team component of it and how important it is to have every single person rowing in the same direction. All these guys on defense have completely bought into what their coach is telling them. But it's deeper than that because it starts at the top with Big Red and Veach and the consistency with the coaches. All the scouts in the Chiefs organization, when they're going out to small colleges and finding half of these corners come from smaller colleges where, you you know, Legereus need not a small college, but he wasn't at a Power 5 school. And other guys at smaller schools than that, they know exactly the profile they're looking for, both physically and mentally. Do these guys have the capacity to understand what Spags wants to teach them? When they go out on the free agent market and they look for a linebacker, it's amazing to think that Drew Tranquil wasn't more coveted than he was when you watch him in this system. And then, and all we have to do because is because he wouldn't in, have been the same in their system, right? And all you have to do is look in this division to see organizations where not everybody's on the same page. The scouting department isn't lined up with the coaching staff. The GM's not lined up with the head coach. The Raiders, the Chargers, the players aren't lined up with what the coach is saying and here when everybody seems to be rowing in the same direction it looks so easy to build something like that when the truth is it's really freaking hard in an organization as big as an NFL team to have that flow where everybody knows their job and how they're supposed to help everybody else on the team and you, you so you you brought up the you know thinking back to the Tyron Matthew with his hands in the air and everything else I also want you to to I want everyone to understand Part of that is also the massive upgrade in talent right. on the defensive side that was made possible by the Tyree Kill trade. Yep. Because think yep. about some of, of the of the people that were involved in that those plays. Daniel Sorensen and Ben Neiman running around. Mm-hmm. Look who they've been replaced by. We talk about this depth. Look at the linebacking group now. Bolton and Gay and Tranquil and even Leo. You think about, you know, when the starting safeties were Justin Reed and Brian Cook, who was the third safety? Mike Edwards. A little bit different, right? Yeah. You think about how good has how good Josh Williams been? Was he the third, the third yeah. or fourth corner? On the, I mean, you, you think about how, how deep. From Fayetteville State or whatever. The <laughs> massive upgrade in talent partially made possible by the money that they didn't give Tyreek Hill and the draft picks they got for Tyreek Hill. And so it's 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 obviously space. It's a lot, but it's a little different, right? And what what you do with those draft picks, though? Again, yeah, finding guys that not only physically can execute at a higher level, but but mentally can understand what this coach is trying to do. I'm, I'm thinking about but Reed, free agent, Edwards, free agent, yeah. Tranquil, free agent, Nailing, free agents, bam, 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 right? And when it comes to the buying from Spags, I'm thinking back to, I remember when, when it was the, the Scott Pioli, Todd Haley era, they brought in these Stop veterans it. like Thomas Jones to that were going to set the tone and lead the, you know, set the culture in the locker room. And I remember Jeff Chidi at the time saying, man, it's great to have a veteran in there, but if the guy can't play, nobody in the locker room is going to care what he has to say because NFL players care about one thing above everything else. They don't care if you're a good guy away from the facility. They don't care about any of that stuff. They care, can this guy next to me help me win? And that's how they evaluate the coaches. They're judging the coaches at all times. Does this guy know what he's talking about? Does this guy help us put us in a position to win? And all those guys clearly 100% You just said it right there. You that. just said what, this encapsulates what we just talked about. 
almost all NFL players don't believe 100% in their coaches. Right. Right. They say, you, you don't know what it's like out on the field. It's my athleticism that gets it done. Um, they, they want to believe in their coach, but they don't believe 100%. Right. And that's the difference with this. With, in Spags We Trust, this defensive crew believes in them all the way. And it makes all the difference yep. in the world because every .1 yard on your average for the analytics people is giant in the NFL. And that's what the Chiefs are getting is the full. Andy Reid sets a tone everywhere with Veach and everybody. Andy Reid's the guy that deserves all that credit of putting this organization intact the way it is. Okay? And then he looks up to ownership and they fall in line. Not to, you know, It's not Clark Hunt who dictates what happens with the Chiefs. It's not ownership. It's Andy and then he looks up and says, Clark, join me on this. And he goes, I'm in there with you. Let's go. But Veach, everybody is following it. But this defense following Spags and not being skeptical yeah. about what that coach is telling him, that does not happen. Because when they're eating their Thursday night meal together, a lot of players get together and go out and have a meal or something. They're going, that's stupid, man. We're, that's stupid we're doing oh, that. Yeah. Doesn't mean they don't think we're going to win, but they'll have their little comments. We heard him it. talk about that when Bob Sutton was the defensive coordinator. Yes. They, they weren't shy about it. <laughs> yeah. One of the most important decisions of the Andy Reid era was to hire Steve Spagnuolo. Back after this on WHP. Welcome back to the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHP. Stephen St. John, Nate Bucati, Jake Gutierrez, and Stan Weber on this Red Friday, Super Bowl Friday, February 9, 2024. Right now... The uh, Chiefs are still two-point underdogs, and the over-under is 47-and-a-half for the game. So that is your uh, latest from DraftKings Sportsbook. I still cannot believe the Chiefs are underdogs, but... It's starting to, it's starting to it. worry me. Why? Because nobody is picking the 49ers. Nobody is picking the 49ers. Nobody is? And so the the Vegas is not moving the line because the fix is in or what? No, no. What I just, I, I, I'm just saying, like. I've seen people I, pick the 49ers. I just haven't heard anybody all week. Well, no one around you here. You live in Kansas City, yeah. buddy. No, but I've been listening to national radio shows. I mean, I I have been. And it, everybody is. Look, I'm, a, I'm, I'm super confident. I feel good about the Chiefs. But it's like when everybody is on one side of things. Sometimes it goes the other way. But also, sometimes everybody's right. Sometimes. Stan, you uh, how many times did you simulate this game, this matchup? Uh, we played six times. We oh. had uh, three games that we played based on the regular season stats, which is all I ever do. It's all I ever do. Play the regular season stats, and the regular season is enough of a predictor that usually – first of all, the game's not made – we, we talk on here like I'm in the prediction business. I, we just play the game for fun. And we see trends and, and things that are you know noticeable that you wouldn't notice until you played the games. All my buddies would tell you that. They know so much more about, oh, here's the strength and weakness of this team and that kind of thing. That's why we play it, not to predict. But using regular season stats usually are very good at bringing you close to what happens in a Super Bowl. This time we played three games, and my wife happened to ask me the next day, well, how did it turn out? And I go, well, San Francisco's better in the regular season. We're getting no indication of what the Super Bowl is going to look like. The Chiefs have upped their game completely. And San Francisco's fallen off. This San Francisco would not be behind the Green Bay Packers and hoping to come back and then getting completely whipped by Detroit and Dan Campbell giving them the game back by coaching so poorly. Um, 
That's not the Niners of the regular season. That's not a Super Bowl championship-level team, okay? So I just said, you know, Chiefs are losing. Uh, the Chiefs are battling in every game to try to stay alive, and they won one out of the three. So 49ers win two, but guys that are playing the game know the game controls. Like, the Niners are better. No doubt about it. And so she goes, well, why don't you make a playoff version? And I go, I've never thought about that. I've never done that because statistically you need gobs of data for stats to matter. Okay, yeah. Little sample size don't matter. And then I go, wait a second, I can do this. And so I did. Then we played the next three games with adjusted, more accurate. These teams don't change their stripes as much as you think. The regular season version and the playoff versions are not that much different. But I adjusted where they are different and where things happened, and it turned around where the Chiefs won two of the three games, and the games were very even. Chiefs' slight, slight, slight edge, okay? But not much. And that would be my philosophy. If I said right here I thought the Chiefs were going to win the football game for all the reasons of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes versus Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan, and what the Chiefs are on fire, Travis Kelsey's back, the Chiefs are playing physical. The offensive line's coming off the ball better. The Chiefs aren't turning over the football. If I said the Chiefs were going to win, no one in this town would be surprised, okay? So let's just for a second here, because we don't have a lot of time. Jake's not going to let me stay on long enough to talk about this in depth enough, right, hey, Jake? You got all kinds of let time. Talk. Okay. Jake, what's no. wrong with you? Uh, let's go back to why the Chiefs might lose. No. <laughs> oh, we're out of time. <laughs> yeah, got break. Sorry. <laughs> I, I'd like to hear this. I really wouldn't. That's a fr- I mean, I, I, I say that with the concern that, like, everybody is. You is, should be concerned. You should be very concerned. Right. And, and, and so that's, that's me. You should be very concerned. Okay. Let's hear why. San Francisco is better than the Chiefs. They're the best team in football this year in the regular season. Usually that matters. The Chiefs have upped their game. The Niners are leaking oil. Uh, mostly the run defense is not playing the well the way it should be. Warner is not getting there as a linebacker and playing elite football. And so the Niners are not playing as well as they were. And therefore, they have come down to now where the Chiefs, who really have pretty much just stayed steady into the playoffs, they've not regressed, which is great. You're playing three games. One is super cold weather. Two are on the road. You're playing some of the best teams in football. And the Chiefs just keep bringing it like they do all the time except for one important thing. The Chiefs average 1.75 turnovers per game during the regular season. The Chiefs are minus 11 turnover margin. How many coaches do you have tell you, say, the most important stat in big-time football in competitive games is the turnover margin? If you've heard that your whole life, if you buy into that, the Chiefs are minus 11. They turn (laughs) the ball over 1.75 times per game Okay, in the regular season. The thing the Chiefs aren't doing is they're not turning over the football, okay? And you know the Patrick Mahomes story of how many playoff games and how many passes he's thrown without throwing it, so I don't necessarily project the Chiefs having a turnover. In the three games that we played with the adjusted postseason factors taken in, Chiefs did not turn over the football one time. In all three games we played, Chiefs did not turn over the football. They continued to play at that level, okay? And the Niners did turn over the football once each of the games, so they had a plus-one turnover margin to the Chiefs every game. But take this take this equation into account. The Niners are better than everybody in the NFL in the regular season. And, yes, they are better than Baltimore. I won't get into that right now. Even though they got beat by Baltimore, they were better than Baltimore. 
Okay? Now, Chiefs move up, 49ers move down, all it did is bring them into equal. Does that make sense? Yeah. The momentum line is like the Chiefs are dominating. Okay? So why should you be concerned? Because they're more equal. The Niners aren't better anymore. They're equal. Next thing. Chiefs beat the Buffalo Bills, Stephen. I wasn't worried about the Chiefs. You never heard me say on this air that going on the road was a big deal. It was a great narrative. It was a great statement for the country to say, Patrick Mahomes has not played a playoff game on the road. I never mentioned that as a factor. Road teams are doing fine in the NFL right now. In fact, the Chiefs were better statistically or, I mean, uh, winning percentage on the road than they were at home. A lot of teams are right now. I never mentioned that as a factor. But going and beating Josh Allen in the playoffs was a pretty impressive thing. Okay? Now, in the back of our mind, don't you have complete confidence that the Chiefs would do that over and over and over again? Doesn't the whole nation say Andy Reid will dominate the coaching and Josh Allen's a great fighter, but he just doesn't have the magic at the end of the game? He always loses to Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. Don't you feel that comfort level about the Chiefs? I know you've been the most confident guy all year long in the Chiefs. Yes, I do. So you say yes, right? Yes. Wasn't there a field goal being kicked to tie that game in the last seconds of the game? Yes. Okay, let's go to the Ravens. When you think back to that game, don't you think Chiefs just dominated that thing? I mean, I called it on the second play of the game when Lamar Jackson slid down. I go, game over. The Chiefs are going to win. I never doubted the Chiefs are going to win the whole game. Did you, Steven? Uh, you know, I would, after that first drive, I was pretty good. Oh, the, the three and out and then the Chiefs touchdown, I, was, I felt good. Yeah, I mean, I thought when Andy Reid made a coaching error and didn't kick a field goal to go up by two scores and let the Ravens in it, I thought, ooh, that might come back to haunt them. But as Zay Flowers was running toward the end zone, before Legereus Sneed punched that ball out, your eyes opened up to the possibility. This game's not over. Okay. What was the final score? Oh, God. The Chiefs won by seven. Correct. So we think of that game as complete domination. Yeah. And if they don't convert that pass to MBS, it could still be a game. Yes. But you think we have confidence that Chiefs could have ramped it up at any time. Yeah. They were conservative in the second half. Right? Okay. I have no problem with that. But they won by seven, and a big play was that knocking it out by one inch on Zay Flowers. Okay? So my point is, is our confidence level for the Chiefs around here. It's just given, man. Super Bowl champions. We got this thing going. I have no problem with a, a high level of confidence. But a disrespect to the Niners, you barely beat the Buffalo Bills. You barely beat the Baltimore Ravens. And now you're getting to play the best team. Okay? And this best team has an answer for the Kansas City Chiefs. They have superstar players that might not fold under the pressure. Okay? Lamar Jackson, did you trust him? Did you think he was going to get through the pressure of the Kansas City Chiefs and win? I didn't. Lamar Jackson. I don't trust Lamar Jackson. And I do trust Harbaugh, but we shouldn't because look at what his coaching staff did. They totally lost their heads. And the Bills staff was completely intimidated, running a fake punt to a defensive back on a fourth and six. Ball game. Yep. Josh Allen was doing everything he could, but Diggs can't even catch. Their best receiver. They're all intimidated by the Chiefs. Are the Niners going to be intimidated? Maybe. But you know when the Niners played well this year? When their left tackle Williams played? When Debo Samuel was healthy and Christian McCaffrey was available? When all three of those dudes played, the Niners were great. And they got a tight end in Kittle. And Purdy put up great numbers. What is Brock Purdy? That's the question in this game. 
I go back last week. We talked about this, didn't we, on this show, Stephen? That Kurt Warner. We didn't know Kurt Warner was great when he took the Rams to the Super Bowl. Now he's a dead cinch Hall of Famer on TV, like like he's one of the great players of all time. No one knew that when he quarterbacked them. And then even the greatest of all time, Tom Brady, you didn't know he was great when he won his first Super Bowl. Is Brock Purdy actually confident enough? He's the best against the Blitz this year. He's the best throwing outside the numbers this year. Christian McCaffrey's the most reliable player. He may be good enough to run the football at the Chiefs. What hurts the Chiefs in this game, Jake, is that the Ravens freaked out. Because I think Kyle Shanahan freaks out a little bit. They will not freak out. You know why they won't freak out? Because they've heard how the Ravens left the game plan. The Ravens gave the game to the Chiefs by just blowing the offensive coordinatorship. That means the Niners will go back and hand the ball off to Debo Samuel. They're going to hand the ball off to Christian McCaffrey. They're going to throw screens to those guys, swing passes to those guys. They're going to let those superstars go. And those two superstars may be good enough to make it a real game. And the Niners' defense has been awful against the run. But what happens if they wake up and just play a little bit better? And if they have some game control, I'm just telling you, I'm still saying the Chiefs are going to win when you ask me my final score. But the Niners are the real deal, and they definitely could win this game. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we have Stan Weber's official prediction and score after this on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back to the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHB. All right, we have uh, about four or five minutes here, Stan. Just tell us now what you think is going to happen, how you think this game is going to play out, and give us your official score prediction for Super Bowl 58. Okay, based on listener feedback, with time running down here, Stephen, <laughs> I'm going to do a couple other things before I get to your question, okay? People are going to say, what did the game say? Okay? So I'm not, this is not me, this is like, they just asked the question, right. what did the game say? In the three adjusted games that we factored in that will play out more like the Super Bowl, Stephen, Nick Bolton scooped a touchdown and returned it for a touchdown. I don't know if that ever happens in the Super Bowl. But just all games, just average score. Chiefs won two out of three. Average score, 32 to 27 and a half. Mm-hmm. Basically 32 28. 32 to 27 and a half. You factor in some wild plays that happened the Chiefs' way that I don't necessarily project, and I'd clean that out. Adjusting the score, the games, and just adjust for like a scoop and score. Take that out, for instance. The score was 29 to 27 and a half Chiefs. Okay, Now, what do I believe? I was so surprised when we played the game how the offenses performed. Okay, so the defenses are playing better right now. Uh, So I have the final score, Kansas City Chiefs 27, San Francisco 23. I I just think that the Chiefs can win under many, many different scenarios. And when you get to Patrick Mahomes and the pressure that they'll put on, I don't think that we can trust the Niners. The pressures that the defense will put on can cause some havoc for the 49ers, and I don't think they'll be able to stay calm and stick to their game plan. They've not been able to stop the run. So I'm going to go back to saying, I, like I said before, I think my job here really is to say I think the Chiefs are going to win for all the reasons that every Chiefs fan around here thinks. Why might the Niners win the game? I'm going to go back to that real quick. The best player that hasn't been playing great is Fred Warner. Ooh. He is a guy that I don't know why he couldn't play great in this game. 
And if he did, he would slow down Pacheco and the running game, and then the Chiefs' offense would be less than it's been in the playoffs. If Fred Warner plays like his normal self, then the Niners can up their game. The biggest variable in the game that shouldn't be a factor but could be is Chase Young. He's a defensive end opposite Nick Bosa. Bosa's good. His brother with the Chargers is not. Nick Bosa is great. He's he's undersized. He's not a perfect player, but he will fight and claw and play hard all game long, and he'll be a factor if he can be. But Chase Young, think about how highly touted he was when he came to Washington, how well he played at times with Washington. Then go watch the tape of how he's played in the playoffs. This guy is disinterested, the easiest guy to get blocked. They'll just block a tight end down on him, and he'll stop and just watch him run, run right by. What happens if Chase Young smelled a ring? You've seen Super Bowls where guys who've gone to another team go, uh-oh, all i got to do is play great one game and I get a Super Bowl ring? Chase Young has been awful in the playoffs. What happens if he sparked? Because what is the biggest risk to the Kansas City Chiefs? Again, the biggest risk is what happened to them to Tampa Bay, that somehow the pass rush got after it and they slowed down Kelsey and caused havoc in the backfield. If Chase Young came off the edge like an elite pass rusher and Bosa came off the edge as an elite pass rusher, the Chiefs might have some struggles on offense. And you don't want to have too many struggles because Christian McCaffrey is the guy. Patrick Mahomes is going to win this game for the Chiefs. If he doesn't, if the Chiefs turn it over once or twice, the next guy who gets a choice to win it is Christian McCaffrey. He's good enough to take on everything the Chiefs have and play at an elite level. Debo Samuel's explosive, but Christian McCaffrey could beat the Chiefs. We could be here on Monday and just go, Chiefs did nothing wrong. That dude is so great. He is so great that he might be good enough to beat the Chiefs if Patrick Mahomes gives him a chance to do it. What's that score again? Chiefs 27, San Francisco 23. That's the over. Ooh. Thank you, Stan Weber. Hey, guys, have fun, man. We're trying. I need to get to Sunday immediately. Back after this on WHB.